Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with the University of Illinois Extension, coming at you from Macomb, Illinois. And we have got a great show for you today. We are going to talk about all about holiday spices. Ooh, they, they, you drink them, you eat them, they ooze down your throat, they warm your body. That's full of that holiday flavor. And you know, I'm not doing this by myself. I'm joined as always every single week by horticulture educator Ken Johnson in Jacksonville. Hey, Ken. Hello, Chris. I enjoyed that intro there. Yes. Very, very descriptive. I, I mean, this is, I mean, that's how I, I picture spices. They, they like, it's this warming sensation we get from a lot of these spices. They kind of start with the flavor and they just kind of tingle all the way to your extremities. And I just, I don't know. That's like what I think about when I think of spices. Like, ooh, yeah. It's kind of movement of sensation. Mm -hmm. Also, I do think of the Spice Girls. Um, so that is another thing that goes through my head. Should have got them on. Even our special guests. Oh, yes, we should have. Yes, they... Uh, let's see. Um, I'm, I, I know I would definitely probably be good fans, friends with Ginger Spice because... I think that's what I'm supposed to talk about today. <laughs> um, but I don't know any of the others. There's uh, there's what ginger spice, baby spice, all spice, old spice. Um, I am I making some of these up? Probably. <laughs> I don't think old spice. Oh darn it! <laughs> it's not Terry Crews. Maybe now. Okay, should be. <laughs> At this point in their life, might be. Oh, goodness. Well, you know, Ken, I want to just give an update on an article that you shared with me uh, about Christmas trees. And I did not realize this, that Christmas tree sales are up this year. And part of why they're crediting it, crediting it, is the fact that Taylor Swift announced that she was raised on a Christmas tree farm. Do you, you remember sharing that article with me a few weeks ago? I do. <laughs> That's crazy. I did. I the, the economic reach of of this woman is just it's mind spending and boggling. Power of celebrity. No doubt. My goodness. NFL loves her. And now Christmas tree farmers are uh, loving it. So, yeah, very, I, I had no idea. You get her to say she's a fan of good growing. It's her favorite podcast. I've been trying to get her on here, but uh, still. Just get a busy signal every time I call that number, I think, is hers. Line has been disconnected. <laughs> yeah, don't call again. Oh, yes. Well, then, at least we can we can do some fun hashtags here for this podcast. Hashtag Spice Girls, hashtag Taylor Swift. So we'll, uh, we'll get all kinds of new audience members today uh, as we talk about holiday spices. Um, so, Ken, I, maybe we, we, we need to clarify because when we talk spices and i think something to note is that ginger was named the herb of the year for 2023 but i've never thought of ginger as an herb i think of it as a spice so what's a spice so i think a little bit is going to depend on who's defining it i think for most people and most definitions it's going to be uh, the roots, the flowers, fruits, seeds, or bark, basically anything other than the leaves of a plant uh, would be considered a spice. Typically, they're going to be from the tropics, whereas herbs are, are going to be leaves, usually more temperate regions. Uh, and usually with spices, we use them in small amounts, whereas herbs, you may use more of them when you're cooking. That's probably more of the culinary definition mm -hmm. than the, I don't know if there's actually a botanical definition for spices, but... I think that's that's typically what it's meant by um, by spices. Everything but the leaves, small amounts, typically originating from the tropics. Okay, well, and I guess also maybe it, it is our our European viewpoint upon which we were raised, but a lot of exploration was driven by spices. So Europeans going to the tropics, seeking out these unique flavors um that they could mix and match and everything from from drinks to baked goods to uh you know warm hot soups and dishes things like that so and and a lot of it involved europeans meddling in the politics of those 
local indigenous uh, tribes that were growing these um, and causing all kinds of problems. So um, what do you know about spice trade and how it started? It's kind of that age of exploration. I think a large part, at least my understanding, was kicked off by the spice trade, trying to find a shorter route to um, Southeast Asia and stuff where a lot of these spices are coming from. So Columbus trying to find a shorter route and quote unquote discovering America, even though there's already people here and Vikings found it, you know, landed hundreds of years before. But and that kind of kicked everything off, trying to find these shorter routes. The Americas are discovered by Europeans. Um, and then there's you know, you've got wars being fought <clears throat> over control of the, the spice trades and and islands and stuff in the in Southeast Asia and all of that. And I, I remember how this stuff is is was so valuable. Uh, it was um, Magellan's journey across around the world. I think he started with five ships, 250 sailors. And by the end of it, he had one ship. 18 sailors, but I think they brought in like tons of spices and they considered that a successful voyage. <laughs> they lost hundreds of people, but a uh, successful voyage because they brought back I don't know, tons of wealth when it comes to the spices that that came back to Europe from that uh, trip. Yeah, and kind of who, whoever controlled the, those sea passages and then those islands and stuff, they were rather wealthy um, because they could bring this in. They, in a lot of the cases that the, they cornered the markets on these, so you can only get them from that one country uh, and stuff and, and made lots of people very wealthy. Well, and, and all of the, the different spices we'll talk about today. Um, I know in, in doing a little bit of reading, uh, you know, they're the ones such as like peppermint. Uh, I think it's also cinnamon. Some of those, they were used as a currency. Um, I think, it's even written in several old uh, scripts from the Bible to to so on. Uh, other, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, not Thorin. <laughs> Thorin Oakenshield, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Um, something the wise, something the, mm, I lost it. Anyway, well. Uh, back in the day. Some old dude. Um <laughs> And but but anyway, they use things like peppermint leaves to pay debts and like, whoa, considering how fast mint grows, <laughs> I'd be really rich. Um, so anyway, um, I guess, Ken, should we get started and dive into our very first spice for today, which is going to be one that I don't use that often, um, but I do have in my cupboard just in case I ever need it, nutmeg. Uh, so how, how do you, do you, do you use nutmeg, Ken? And how do you use it? And, and um, yeah, what is it? <laughs> I think, I think the only time we really use nutmeg is like desserts, pies, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's using a lot in, in, in baked goods, um, confections. I've seen, potatoes and meats and sausages and other sauces and stuff used on vegetables. Uh, if you drink eggnog this time of year, that brown stuff they grate on top or sprinkle on top, that's going to be nutmeg. Um, so, so a lot of different things. I'd, maybe not so much for Americans or maybe Northern European descent, but mm. more so um, probably Asia where this is, this is going to be native to um, and, and stuff like that. It's going to be a little more widely used okay and i know that there are there's actually two spices you know it's kind of like the the coriander and uh cilantro thing and there, there's actually two spices that can be derived from this one of them being nutmeg and the other one is mace and i i feel like or maybe it's just a more of an opinion that they can kind of be used interchangeably but like nutmeg seems to be more common mace is not as common but they seem to have a similar flavor profile to me um but i, I guess it might be worth describing the difference between nutmeg and mace so what what is the difference between these two types of spices 
Yeah, we can pop up a picture of what they look like here. So nutmeg is, so you're going to have a fruit that's going to have this kind of fleshy coating on it. Kind of looks like a, maybe a really small apple or, or something like that. Uh, and then inside there is going to be your seed and it's going to have this red kind of net-like thing on it. That's going to be the mace. It's actually an arrow. Uh, so if you're not familiar with an arrow is, if you eat pomegranates, the fleshy part on the outside of the pomegranate seed that we're eating, that's going to be the arrow. So the, the mace is going to be the arrow of that nutmeg. The nutmeg is going to be inside of the, the nut. So those would be dried out. The shell would be taken off. And then either the whole nutmeg would be sold and you would grate that or that's going to be ground up uh, into a powder uh, and use that way. Mace, um, again, it is from this. The mace for your self-defense purposes is not going to be, this is a different kind of mace. So that's, uh, well, that's capsaicin or more pepper based. It's not the... This is eating mace, not self-defense mace. This isn't blind you uh, kind of mace or or not the mace that you you hit people with. So, yeah, <laughs> that too. Um, and then and looking at some, you know, doing some background reading on this, like the young husks. So those husks that you're taking off, I guess better description may be kind of a little more like a like a walnut. That husk is a little bit thicker mm -hmm. um, used in marmalades, jellies sweets preserved foods uh, in malaysia in west java so and i don't know if you'd ever find it in the united states probably a bigger city if you do but in other parts of the world um it's the outer covering is used as well okay um and i i guess when it comes to growing nutmeg are we talking because i'm I, I i get nutmeg confused with hazelnut a little bit because they're kind of like I feel like they become deployed around the same time of year, but hazelnut, I, I guess I should clarify, probably most of what we're buying at the grocery stores is the European hazelnut, which is a, a tree. Um, American also, we also have the American hazelnut, which is a shrub, but so is nutmeg. Is this a tree that we're, we're pulling off the, the fruit from uh, that, that grows in the tropics yep so this is gonna be a tropical evergreen tree so this is not something we are growing anywhere in the united states uh yeah so this is going to produce a fruit a lot of times the fruit will be cut off um, and collected that way or it can be dropped to the ground uh, again from reading one of the reasons they don't necessarily want it dropping to the ground is you increase chances of contamination uh, as that husk breaks open and the seeds exposed so a lot of times or in many cases they'll, they'll cut that out of the tree uh, I collect and they'll, they'll dry it um, and then uh, go and, and sell it either as the, the mace. And I've never had mace personally. Um, I think it's just a little more mild and mm. sweeter uh, compared to nutmeg. If, if anybody's ever used it, you can put that in the comments and correct yeah. us if we're wrong. Yeah, let us know how it tastes. I thought that I've used it before. Actually, I know I have. Um, it's something that when I was growing up, it was always in our our spice cabinet for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, my mom must have really liked it. So I don't think I'd ever heard of it until we <laughs> started doing this. <laughs> um, so when it comes to these trees, is this something, do you know, Ken, is it grown in an orchard setting? Like, you know, do they, or do they go and are they climbing up and handpicking these out of the trees? Um, I know kind of industrial automation kind of you get like a shaker. Sometimes you shake them, but then you have to catch them. Like you said, you don't want them to touch to become contaminated by landing on the ground. So um, are these like orchards or are these trees growing out more like plantation style and almost naturalistic in the wild? I think it's probably going to be, you know, nowadays is you probably have got orchards or, or stuff set up. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, small scale, they've got them, you know, here and there, but I, I would think, I don't know for sure, but I would think it's probably going to be a little more industrialized uh, nowadays. And it probably was even when the Dutch um, and all of that were, were in mm -hmm. charge of it. And, and we, didn't, we didn't even go into the, <clears throat> the, with the Dutch and stuff and how they, um, you know, some of the atrocities that kind of went. They inflicted on on people of these islands. These plants are native to. So when these are native to the to the Malacca's Islands, Spice Islands. Uh, so I think there's what like eleven islands that these trees are native to. 
the Banda Islands, and the Dutch had control. The Portuguese had first kind of claimed these islands and were trying to control the trade. weren't terribly successful. Dutch pushed them out, um, and they started taking over the trade. Um, at some point, at one point, they completely wiped out most of the native islanders in that area. Uh, it was estimated there was fifteen thousand people there. By the time the Dutch were done, there was about a thousand, two thousand left, hmm. uh, killed them, sold them into slavery, uh, whatnot. But basically, that, that allowed them to corner the market pretty much completely. Um, they controlled all the islands except for the island of Run, which the English controlled. Uh, so in 1667, the English traded the island of Run to the Dutch, and the Dutch got the island of Manhattan. So, and when that happened, the Dutch completely controlled the nutmeg trade. Um, and then the English got Manhattan and the rest is history. Man. And probably for each one of these spices, we could dive into a, a tumultuous uh, political past of atrocities and, and horrible things that um, people with the color of skin I have <laughs> did to, to native populations. Um that where these trees grew wild and native. So uh, we'll try We'll try maybe to touch on each one of those, but I don't think we have time, Ken, to do a deep dive like we've done for our last couple of shows is like poinsettia and mistletoe because we have uh, a lot more spices to get through too. So yeah, 10 part, <laughs> 10 parter here. We, we might, Podcast. we might break this puppy up. I don't know. Um, but our, our next spice uh, is, is another one that I think, has been credited as one of the oldest recorded spices in history, and that is cinnamon. Now, cinnamon is something that I think it shocks a lot of people in terms of, of what it actually is. Because a lot of us are used to the powdered cinnamon. Um, sometimes, I mean, you've probably seen cinnamon sticks, but it's actually technically not a stick. What is cinnamon where does it come from yeah so sticks are i guess the, the technical term or the trade term of be quills is actually the bark uh, of, of these trees so there's again these are another um tropical evergreen tree um they're native again to um and asia uh, india stuff like that i think they found evidence of this being used i'm um, seven thousand uh plus years um tracing back so again long a long time, China, Vietnam, Sri Lanka, that area, part of the world is where it's going to be native to. Uh, these are trees, uh, but in, in commercial production, typically they're going to be coppicing these, so they're going to cut them down at the, the ground, and that's going to send off a bunch of shoots, so they're growing these as shrubs instead. Let those those new shoots grow for a couple of years, they'll harvest them, you can cut it back hard, send out new shoots. And I, and I think from what I've read, typical commercial production on a, on a plant usually lasts for 10 or so years. You figure you're constantly cutting that back. That's draining a lot of resources to regrow every time. Uh, so then they'll take these sticks, uh, they'll peel off the outer bark. So just kind of scrape that off. And then they'll take that inner bark, they'll slice that and they'll peel that off of the branch. They'll then dry this out. As it dries, it'll curl up. And that produces those quills or those sticks that we're getting. Um, you know, if they're nice and long and in good shape, we'll sell them whole. If they're broken, they're small, some way damaged, then those will be ground up uh, and sold as powdered cinnamon. And and we're not talking just a singular cinnamon tree. Actually, there's hundreds of species that can be utilized as, as part of harvesting cinnamon um and, and 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 taking off that that delicate inner piece of bark that they're they're slicing off of those stems um and so i i, I guess my question is maybe you don't know this ken because i don't know how deep the research went are there differences in cinnamon flavors depending upon the species that you get there is so in in the U.S., there, there's kind of two tests. So there's, I think there's about 250 species or something like that of cinnamomum, which is the genus for this. And I think there's 10 or something like that. There's multiple different species that are raised for for eating. In the United States, there's there's two different types we typically are going to find. Uh, cassia cinnamon is one that 
I guess predominantly is what we're going to find. Uh, it's it's kind of a much more uh, intense flavor. Uh, that's much thicker. The sheets are, are much thicker. And we can, we can pop a picture up of comparing these two. Um, and then there's uh, Cylon, or I mean, quote unquote, true cinnamon. Uh, so in some parts of the world, this is cinnamon. And the stuff we eat in the United States, cassia, would be called cassia. So if you're traveling abroad, there there may be some differences in what people are calling this. But the, the Cylon, or the true cinnamon, it's much thinner. Uh, it's a much more... Um, I, I've, I've never had this before but from reading it. It's much more subtle uh, floral or citrusy notes to it, apparently. Um, it's much thinner. So those quills, you're going to have multiple sheets on it. Um, it's going to be easier to grind if you're going to grind this at home. If you've ever tried grinding one of the cassia sticks, those are incredibly hard. Um, you put that in a coffee grinder, you're probably going <laughs> to tear it up or burn out your motor trying to do that. Yep. So New coffee grinder for Christmas then. Yep. So, yeah. So typically what uh, most of the cinnamon that we're going to be eating or people are going to be familiar with, at least in the United States, uh, is going to be cassia. Uh, but you can also find Cylon or true cinnamon uh, as well. There's also some of the other types that are grown for eating. Uh, there's Indonesian cinnamon, Saigon cinnamon, Nepal cinnamon um, as well. So, Okay. And I think it's also important to note in the, the processing of the cinnamon, I think a lot of people think of you know, how things are done in the U.S. when we harvest corn or soybeans, it's like a human never touches that. You know, it goes from the field to the track, to the combine, to the silo, to whatever processing facility goes to. You turn it into to bacon or you turn it into Cheetos. I don't know what it turns into after that. And this goes into a bag like no human hand ever touches that stuff with cinnamon. I mean, you have people that are slicing these things off by hand, that they're drying these things off by hand. They're, they're organizing these things all by hand. And there's a lot of labor that's involved in this spice production. And it's not just cinnamon. I was all, almost all of them mm -hmm. we talk about today have the same um, labor inputs. Um, any comments on, on that labor? So there's a lot, like a lot of specialty crops, um, you know, a lot of human labor, hand labor. So like, I mean, with cinnamon, you got to scrape off that outer bark. Mm -hmm. uh, in order to use it so yeah, a lot of a lot of labor and a lot of these things are being grown in more impoverished parts of the world where labor is cheaper so yeah that's true and well i and i i guess you know mentioning where they're grown in the world but there's all these different species do we have anything that we can grow here in illinois perhaps is there any possibility of growing some type of a cinnamon tree here? Uh, you could. You're going to be bringing it inside. I don't know of any, and I haven't looked at all 250 species. I don't know if there's any. Why not? Be, <laughs> there's going to be cold hardy enough to grow outside. Um, but really, any of these spices we're talking about, you could grow them in Illinois, but you're growing them as a house plant. Take them out in the summer, sure. bring them in. Uh, and well, some of them maybe even in the fall, once it starts whispering when you're getting cold you want to bring yeah well sounds like a fun experiment i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little bit more reading and see if i can find a cinnamon tree i can grow so i'm tired of my lemon tree which has covered in thorns right now so i think you can't find cinnamon um i did a little looking nutmeg i mean not extensive looking but i could not find anywhere selling nutmeg um so that may be a little harder to get a hold of but cinnamon mm -hmm. there are i have seen them for sale so many more specialty places before online. Well, we've talked nutmeg, which is a fruit. We've talked cinnamon, which is actual bark from the stem. Now let's switch gears to clove, which is actually the bud. Which uh, The highest quality clove is an unopened bud, uh, flower bud. Um, so Ken, when it comes to cloves, now, this is one that I have not used that much. I actually don't really like, I don't clove to me is a little too spicy. Like that, that aroma is a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. um, but let's talk about clove, the spice. Where does it come from? And, and how does it get to my table? So a little, a little goes a long way. Like, mm -hmm. like all of these. Uh, so you're talking at clove is going to be uh, the, the flower of the plants. Um, 
they're going to be used in a lot of times in, with cooking meats, pickling fruits, uh, sometimes syrup uh, as well, perfumes. Uh, in a lot of cases, you know, we can talk about them a little bit more later, but your orange pomandiers, when you, if you've got kids or as a kid. Mm-hmm. I learned I learned that from you today. So, you didn't have yeah. a deprived childhood like Cassandra. Yeah, I was very <laughs> deprived. Didn't make those. Um, but another uh, tropical um, evergreen, Spice Islands is also where this is native to. Uh, again, it's another one the Dutch kind of cornered the market on, um, like going as far around, as going around into other islands and, and cutting down any clove tree they could find, so they had control over it. <laughs> uh, again, eventually, other nations were able to to get a hold of plants and then start growing them elsewhere to kind of break that monopoly. But you had the Spice Islands, uh, Madagascar, Mauritius, um, Tanzania, um, places in Africa that are also going to grow. I think Tanzania is responsible for about 80% of the world's cloves. So most of that is shifted uh, over to Africa nowadays. I think uh, specifically uh, Zanzibar, the Zanzibar region of Tanzania. Well, I, I watched uh, an interesting video about cloves and and how they grow and 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 the whole process there. It's, it's quite interesting. Uh, these are big trees that people are climbing up into to harvest the buds. Um, I mean, we're talking multiple stories uh, that people have these really tall ladders, and that's all they have, and some rope. <laughs> they're climbing up in these huge trees and they have to pull the buds off at just the right time, right? The as I mentioned that the highest quality is right before that that bud opens into that flower. Um and because because of this, because it's it's a flower bud, a lot of it is harvested by hand to get the highest value from that that clove. So so from 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 that point, after they're up in the trees and they're pulling it out of the tree, um, making sure not to destroy the bud or the, you don't want the bud to fall off the stem that they've pulled out of the tree. Now they got to dry it and grade it and and then they sell it. Um, so it. Uh, yes, lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> so, so another name for this would be Zanzibar redhead. So I think when those flowers start turning red, those stalks. That's when they pick it. And with this, again, my understanding is they don't all ripen or the flowers aren't all ready at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I, I read somewhere they may pick the tree three to eight times, three to eight times. So they're going up and down that tree, that same tree um, and picking. So obviously you get them too early. I was going to open up again, that quality declines on. I think the window is only a couple of days when those flowers are kind of at their peak before they open. I mean, I'm again the labor involved in that, the the people that's a skilled labor to be able to climb a tree like that, and then to have that number of uh workers show up in the course of a day or two, that's boy, just thinking about that's probably why cloves are so expensive. Because cloves are it's a fairly expensive spice. When I go to the grocery store, that is one of the more expensive ones on the shelf, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't remember last time I bought any. I, I like I said, I don't use them, but I do. <laughs> I do go. I love going to the the spice aisle in the grocery store and being like looking at all the cool things on the the shelf there, and like, ooh, that's really expensive. I guess I'm just gonna figure out something else to flavor my food with. <laughs> you know, just buy them and figure out a recipe after you've got it. Well, I've done that too. This, yeah, that, yeah, this looks cool. <laughs> what can I make with this? <laughs> So primarily, again, once again, tropical um, uh, uh, kind of basis where this plant is grown, um, exported throughout the world. And we talked about cultivation harvest. Uh, you referenced this, Ken, an orange pomadier. Pom- what is that? So yeah, pomadiers are some kind of vessel that was used to you know, filled with smelly things, good smelling things to protect against uh, infections during times of pestilence and stuff back back in the day. Um, and then it's morphed into orange pomadiers where you get an orange and you stick clothes into it and I guess hang it from a tree or use a potpourri or just let it sit there until it molds and gets gross <laughs> and stuff. And 
And one thing I found was um, there's a version, you know, you have a pomander, so it's made with orange cloves, oils. If you tie a golden ribbon on it, it can be used as a recovery charm in witchcraft. So you ever find yourself in Harry Potter world? I I do often. Yes. <laughs> Save yourself. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I, I didn't realize cloves were the, were that powerful. And the orange pomaders, is that a holiday thing? Is is did we do is that like what people would do at Christmas time is they would stab an orange with these cloves and <laughs> hang much. them up and okay. It wasn't like a all year thing. At least when, when I was a kid, that's what we did it. Okay. It was around the holidays in school. I got gotcha. you. I, I got gotcha. you. Well, that's interesting. I, I swear I heard somewhere too that it does have like a if it's antifungal or antibacterial qualities, as as you mentioned, the people old in long time ago would like soldiers would put them in their boots to prevent like um, I don't know if you call it trench foot back then, but but rot of your feet for being in your boots for so long. Um, and so I, I I've heard of that. I, it, even if your feet were rotten, they would probably smell good a little bit. So <laughs> speaking of smelling good, I found something where. Third century BC, Chinese emperors would make, mm-hmm. before you could address the emperor, you have to chew on cloves to freshen your breath. Ah, uh, see, I should make my kids do that to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So another random one going back back to nutmeg. What was it? If you have a nutmeg under your left armpit when you go somewhere, you do that to attract admirers or something. Hmm. Again, back in the day. Well, I'm not in the market now, but. Um, will it get us more views on our podcast? I'll try that maybe. (laughs) Next episode, I'm going to have a nutmeg (laughs) under my armpit. Yeah, left armpit. armpit armpit. Before attending a social gathering as a way of attracting admirers. Hmm. Very good. Uh, Probably just like, is something wrong with your shoulder? And it strikes up a conversation. Maybe I can give cloves a try. Um, you know, we'll we'll see if that that old holiday bonus comes through, which it never does because <laughs> we don't get those. <laughs> and I guess I should explain clove. So the the name mm-hmm. is from clavis in Latin and clau in French, which means nail. So have you ever seen one of these? It kind of looks like a little nail. Yes, so they, they do. Their name. Mm-hmm. Well, well, very interesting. Um, well, the next spice on our list is is one that I think is often misunderstood as as I think maybe because of its name, maybe because marketing of other spice mixtures, but it's called allspice. And now I think I have heard this where a company will mix together various spices and they call it allspice. But there is an actual solitary spice called allspice. And I think it, it's very similar to what we've just talked about with cloves in that it's it's a bud that's pulled off of a plant. Um, or it's at least, is it a bud or is it a spent flower? I'm, I can't remember which it is. It's a green fruit. Green fruit. Okay. So as after flowering has occurred, it's, it's the fruit of that. Okay. And, and this is one that it was, again, quote, I'm using air quotes for people who are listening, discovered by Columbus when he sailed over to the New World and he thought that he found pepper. He thought this was the pepper plant. He's, he's like, you know, egads, I have found pepper. <laughs> um, turns out it wasn't pepper. Uh, it was a whole different type of spice, allspice. Um, but I think he even misnamed it. Um, the He called it the... Pimenta, which is Spanish for, I think, or at least derived from the word pepper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's called pimento. Um, mm-hmm. Like maybe outside of the United States, you may see it referred to as pimento. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, that that fruit, that green fruit, looks like a peppercorn. Uh, and if you're familiar with what peppercorns look like, um, it's, it's kind of a small round ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so allspice. Uh, this is kind of a new world tropical, um, uh, from, from that, from this part of the world, um, well, not Illinois, but South. Uh, and so when it comes to utilizing this, 
how how do people utilize allspice? Is there uh, a particular baked goods, meats? Where does it go into? Yeah, so this is going to be Caribbean, West Indies, uh, Mexico, Central America is where this tree is native to. Uh, so in, it's used a lot in um, Caribbean cuisine, so jerk seasoning, mole sauces, marinades, pickling, stuff like that. Um, there's even a, a, a rum or liqueur, rum-based liqueur used by this made with allspice. Yeah, and then here in the United States, primarily for desserts, apparently Cincinnati-style chili is what gives all spices gives it its distinctive aroma and flavor. I've never had Cincinnati-style chili, so can't Me comment either. on that. But if you have, let us know. Um, and so, in terms of its harvest, this is uh, as as you mentioned, native to the the Caribbean. When it's harvested from the tree, I, I'm, I'm guessing it is a kind of similar process and that it has to be dried and then it's just shipped as as clove however the allspice in my um pantry is a powdered allspice and i i will say it's delicious i love i do actually use it quite a bit on on seasonings like jerk chicken but even if i make like a curry I like throwing a little bit of allspice in there. It just kind of gives it a little bit more like that kind of body of flavoring. Yeah. Something extra. A little bit of something there. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I just, I just, I really do like it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the, the fruit, we're going to have these green fruit. You're, they're picking those a couple months after the, the fruit is done or that the flower is done. So it's been developing for a few months. They're still green. They're not fully ripe. They're picking those again, drying them out. Um, you know, picking out any fully ripe ones uh, and so on. And that you know, that drying time can take, uh, is usually tough for all these, it can be several days uh, that they're drying these out, either on mats, sometimes um, for like allspice, they'll have kind of cement pads they'll do it on, uh, then they'll bag those up and, um, you know, ship them out. Um, the, the fruits, the whole fruits are, have longer shelf life uh, than powders. So that may be um, one advantage to getting the whole, Whole fruit compared to a powder, if you're not going to be using a lot of it, then you have to crush it up. So I think this is one you can find. Remember, you can find plants um, if you want to grow this, let's say relatively easy, but you, places do sell these. Um, it may be a little, I'm trying to think if this is one that's a little trickier to grow compared to some others. Um, but I guess for all these that we've talked about so far, again, they're, you're growing them as house plants, you're bringing them in. Typically, a lot of these are going to like temperatures, don't like them below 60s. So you're bringing these in much earlier uh, in the year, lots of sun. Typically, most of them are going to need um, well-drained soils. Um, so they like that moisture, but they don't like the heavier soils. So making sure you've got a lot of perlite or something in there to see so have good drainage mm -hmm. in your soils. Again, these are all tropical, so high humidity is going to be important. So clustering plants, running a humidifier, something like that, if, if you wanted to attempt to grow any of these we've talked about so far. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Humidity is an issue. Uh, boy, I especially felt that recently with our cold snap and the heat furnace really kicks on more often, dries that air out. Um, but I, I do do highly recommend clustering those plants together. I think it, it really does help a little bit in at least creating a micro climate of, of humidity around them. Yeah, or like you do it, it's potentially do like with orchids where you have your tray with gravel and water in it. Just make sure your mm -hmm. pots are elevated above that so they're not sitting in the water. But again, create a little bit of a higher humidity uh, microclimate. Leave them in the bathroom. Take nice hot showers. Hot showers with your plants. I used to share a shower with an orchid, so um, it died. Turns out there was a lot of water getting in the pot that I didn't realize. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay, let's switch gears ever so slightly. We have talked about fruits, barks, buds. Let's talk leaves, which is kind of herby, but this is this next one is also like a quintessential holiday flavor, peppermint. Um, so Ken, what is 
peppermint. And how does this, is this different from like a spearmint for all of us um, people who I, I do my best to not grow mint for reasons that I'll tell about later. Yes. Yeah. So this is a mint. So it's going to have the same challenges potential drawbacks as other mints if you're if you do decide to grow this uh, so this is different um uh, than spearmint so peppermint is actually a hybrid uh, it's a hybrid between oh what is it i watermint, think it is watermint water mm -hmm. and spearmint yeah. so this is going to have a higher menthol so this has got a higher menthol contents so that's kind of using that cooling sensation that we associate with mints it's got a higher menthol um levels in it than than spearmint does so you, you have more of that minty uh, mm -hmm. uh, flavor with it so because this is a hybrid you can't buy seeds so if you do want to grow this you're going to be getting plants you're going to do transplants where spearmint you can buy seeds uh and, and plant those telling them uh, the difference between a peppermint's going to have dark green leaves and reddish stems uh spearmint's going to be lighter green as have more pointed leaves um as well so your peppermint then our flowers are going to be uh, lavender, kind of purplish, while spearmints are going to be pink. See, a thing about menthol that I just, just learned about as I was framing before the show is that the chemical of menthol tricks your brain into thinking that it's feeling a cold sensation. You know, it's kind of that, that coolness that you get uh, when you maybe chew on a piece of mint gum or take a drink of something that has mint flavor in it. It, it, it tricks the brain to think that it's experiencing something cold. Uh, which I, I found very interesting. So, yes. Yeah. And I think a lot of the spices do have the opposite effect. Those chemicals mm -hmm. kind of give you that, that warming sensation. That, that warm through your body Fuzzies. feeling that I talked about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think there are some, there are kind of cultivars even within uh, peppermint. So you've got like the chocolate that's supposed to have kind of a chocolate uh, taste to it. There's there a lime or a lemon one that's supposed to have a mm -hmm. lemon or lime citrus scent to it. Uh, I think there's an orange mint and yep. stuff as well. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a mint for every occasion I had. Um, and it was lemon balm, which is a mint, uh, you know, the telltale, uh, way you can describe a mint is that it has a square stem and that square stem indicates that it is in the mint family. And that family was at Lamiaceae is the, the mint family. I don't know. Botanists change these things on me all the time. <laughs> I didn't realize that maple trees are no longer in the Aceraceae family. That doesn't exist anymore. It's called the Sapindaceae if you're curious. Um, yeah. Yeah. News to me a few weeks ago. Anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, the Lamiaceae characteristic was square stems, um, and one of the the mints in the mint family, lemon balm. I had that. Well, I didn't plant it in my yard; someone else did, and it, it will never leave. I'll always have lemon balm in my yard um, forever because it just grows and spreads like crazy. Yeah, and like peppermint's hardy to zone three, so if you grow it outside, it's not going to winter kill. Yeah. So anyway, whenever, yeah, whenever we grow mints, it's it's in a pot because I do not want to have to deal with those getting out of control. Mm -hmm. And mints, as I think I mentioned at the top of the show, they have been used for a long time, just like cinnamon. Um, so they have found traces of both cinnamon and peppermint in the tombs of ancient pharaohs. And, and actually, peppermint was so valuable back then that... Uh, uh, thieves would raid the tombs, not to get the gold and all the other fancy metals that might be in there, but to get the peppermint that was stored in the, those tombs uh, with, uh, with the bodies there. So it, it has been around for a long time. Um, it's been utilized from ancient Egypt, from medieval Europe, and it is a very, very popular um, uh, uh, flavoring today. I think um, as far as I can tell in the limited reading, and I do not study the economics of peppermint that often, but I believe this is the most widely produced essential oil, peppermint, um, throughout the whole world. There's the, 
the most popular, the most common essential oil is peppermint. It's a lot of candy canes. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Move um, on to the, the star of the show here. No, just just to me. It's just just my <laughs> my best friend. Um, so yeah, um my 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 second wife, her name's Ginger, and um I I've been growing ginger for a long time. And I am, I'm always growing ginger. I always have a live ginger plant. I have had a live ginger plant somewhere in my house since 2017. And it's been, it's been ups and downs of a relationship, but ginger, even though it was the herb of the year, this, this current year, I've always considered it a spice. However, you could use the leaves of ginger for flavoring teas and things like that. So, I mean, you could technically maybe use part of the plant and be more herb like um but really we we harvest the rhizome of the plant and that is where we get those that that ginger uh that that spicy zingy flavor for a lot of the dishes that we utilize and when it comes to the holidays a lot of the kind of the the western european english so on they really adopted ginger for teas gingerbread, ginger cookies, ginger ale, um, a lot of those becoming more popular around this time of year as, as people gather to celebrate, have these big meals and feasts with family and friends. And so ginger is, I think that's kind of how it worked its way into the whole lexicon of the holidays uh, with us. And 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 really gingerbread men, that's, that's probably the most commonly thought uh, use of ginger around the holidays. Or houses, gingerbread houses. Oh, yes. Yeah. And oh, yeah, we got to build our still have to build our gingerbread house this year. So we're a little behind, it feels like. <laughs> so, Ken, I know I've gotten you on the ginger train. Um, how did the ginger do this year? And uh, do you have any ginger currently in your home? Do you use a lot of ginger? Um, I use a lot more ginger now than I used to. Uh, <laughs> I bet. Yeah. So as I hear... We grew some again, another row in the tunnel this year. I think we had 55 pounds mm-hmm. of it. So yeah, another another good year. I've got a box full of ginger at home. I made uh so some ginger cookies last week, made some ginger syrup, make ginger ale. I haven't syrup sitting in the refrigerator. I haven't got any club soda yet to to mix it with, but candied ginger. I still mm-hmm. have lots of ginger left. So it's very spicy. Ooh. Yeah. And then you you get you take the sugar from your candy ginger, and then you can put that in your tea or whatever it is you want to flavor, sweeten, get a little ginger kick. Yep, we've got that in a little baggie. Mm-hmm. My wife, my wife used it since coffee and tea are gross. So maybe ah. they'd be better with ginger in it. Maybe I'll have to try. I think so. Give it a try. At least tea. Tea's better with ginger. I don't know if coffee would be any better though. Tea tastes like grass. Uh, maybe that's why I like grass. I don't know. Um, so ginger really hails from um, the tropics, as I said. Um, now, when it comes to to ginger, where where we know it, Hawaii actually used to be the biggest producer of ginger, but then they got this little bacterial wilt in their soil that totally nixed growing ginger, basically throughout the whole state of Hawaii. Um, their soil is all infected with bacterial wilt, uh, which makes it impossible to grow ginger in the ground. And so we still do get like, so if you wanted to grow ginger here in Illinois, you can order ginger seed pieces from Hawaii, but those are all grown hydroponically. None of them are necessarily grown in the ground. Actually, they they very actively avoid putting the ginger anywhere near soil, um, places like that. But you can grow it here in Illinois. Just like everything else we've talked about, it is a house plant, essentially. You bring it outside in the summer, and then you have to bring it in once it starts. Uh, any risk of, of freeze is uh, getting close. You got to bring it inside. Um, and ginger is actually has a dormancy period. So it does. That's part of its life cycle is it has to go dormant. And so very often. Um, that, that will happen, happen with me. The plants just all turn brown and then they just go to sleep for about a month or two. And then I put them on a heat mat or I start watering again and that perks them up. And it takes a long time for them to sprout about a month, 
to almost two months for some occasions that it's taken for uh, ginger to re-sprout in, in my basement. Um, but but in India, where most of today's ginger is grown, that's that's sold here in the U.S., um, it, it is planted in February, grows up until December when it goes dormant, and they harvest it, process it, ship it out to the U.S., um, then they get ready to plant in January and get the ginger rhizomes in the ground in February and they start the process all over again. Have you grown any of your ginger long enough to flower? Kept it that long? Yes, uh, but I've not seen the flower. So the flower usually occurs in late September, more often in October, but the flower is the trigger for dormancy. So you know that when you see that ginger begin to flower, that about a month and a half later, the plant will leaves will start to turn brown. I've never made it that far because by the time it flowers, it's freezing outside and I got to harvest the plant and get it where it won't freeze. Because if they do freeze, if the rhizomes do freeze, they turn to mush and they're no good. You experiment for next year. Yeah. Drink I would love to. Pot and under lights. Put it under lights. I'd love to do this in a greenhouse, give it like a long term, like a full season of growth. Um, I just don't have a greenhouse yet. Ken, I'm still working on that at a greenhouse. Well, that was a lot of great information about spices that we love to use around the holidays. Well, the Good Growing Podcast is a production of University of Illinois Extension, edited this week by me, Chris Enroth. A special thank you to Ken Johnson for once again, showing up with a head packed full of knowledge about these things. So thank you so much, Ken, for once again, um, uh, just schooling me and, 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 and talking about schooling me in the, in a good way, I guess schooling might be more, more of a bad thing, but, but I feel, I feel enlightened. Thank you, Ken, so much for being here today. You're welcome. It's all starting to leak out already. So it's, it's what it's did we just talk about? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> And let's do this again next week, maybe. Oh, I don't know if we will do this again next week. Ken, we have to take a vacation because it's like the holidays and stuff. So I suppose we are going to be doing a couple short garden bites for the next few weeks, um, which I think are just as fun and exciting as doing deep dives into whatever topic we feel like studying an hour before the show starts. So... Listeners, thank you for doing what you do best, and that is listening, or if you're watching this on YouTube, watching. And as always, keep on growing.